Bishop Rolando Alvarez Lagos has been Bishop of the Diocese of Matagalpa in Nicaragua since 2011. In August 2022, he was kept under house arrest, it is believed, because he was frequently speaking out against the human rights violations and religious persecution by the Nicaraguan government. For several months, nothing was heard about his fate, and then in December he was charged with conspiracy for undermining national integrity and propagation of false news, and was ordered to remain under house arrest. Again, nothing much was heard until last week when he was supposedly part of a group of 222 political prisoners that were released to U.S. custody. However, Bishop Alvarez allegedly refused to board the plane. He was then declared a traitor, stripped of his citizenship, and sentenced to 26 years in prison. At the same time, three priests, two seminarians, and a deacon were also sentenced to 10 years, charged under conspiracy and the spreading of false news. In total, there are 11 priests in jail in Nicaragua. The Catholic Church in Nicaragua has been under increasing pressure from the government since 2018. Another bishop, Silvio Baez, left the country in 2019 after receiving various death threats. In March 2022, Nicaragua expelled the Apostolic Nuncio as well as 18 missionaries of charity. As we enter this season of Lent, let's keep our brothers and sisters in Nicaragua and the Church in Nicaragua in our prayers. May peace and justice be found. I'm Deacon Pedro and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and here with me is Billy Chan. Hello, everyone. So, Hello. New so season. Billy, Hello. No, yeah, well, yeah, we're, I, it feels like a new season because we've t- taken some time off after Christmas. Um, I, I have to tell people, uh, Billy, that uh, so I'm, I'm driving up the highway. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I look over and there's this guy that I thought, looks that looks like Billy. And then it was Billy. Billy, we're racing each other on the highway. Exactly. I'm I'm lucky I didn't do any bad thing in front of a deacon. So <laughs> I didn't like, you know, using my finger and everything, you know. So uh yeah, I mean, uh I behave, right? You, you seem- did, you did. And 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 I must say we weren't flying down the highway. We were sort of crawling up the highway in a place where the highway always slows down. Um, exactly. It's it's nearer to your house than it is to mine. So yeah. so. But, uh, but it was great to see someone on the highway. I mean, you know, so on the highway, I I always always feel lonely. You yes. know, you drive yes. along. I feel the same way. And it's good to you know to look over. Oh, do I know that person? And I can wave to. to and we can her. wave. Absolutely. Okay, so Billy, um, we are almost at Lent. Wednesday is going to be Ash Wednesday, but I uh-huh. want to ask you. Because uh, we haven't spoken since Christmas, you had a good holiday. I had, had a really good holiday. Uh, uh, very quiet. Uh, yeah, this holiday good. for for me because a lot of my friends and my family got COVID. So oh, uh, some of us stay home. But okay. uh, you know, well, that's sometimes better. Yeah, yeah. Quiet Christmas, quiet holidays are. I like quiet holidays. How about um, you? Yes, same here, same here. Although we we make a point of making it quiet, so trying okay. not to too too much. And and yes, it's it's a lot easier to not do too much nowadays. Although we did get to see family, uh, and friends, so uh, that that was good. It was a good holiday, um, very very good. And as I said, Ash Wednesday is is coming up before we know it. So, um, we'll be talking about giving up snacks and oh, chocolate yeah. and and uh, oh, yeah. cold showers, hot showers, giving up hot showers what? in no? this weather. Seriously, well, that's a good sacrifice. Just, I mean, just saying, just saying. Um, everybody who thinks Billy should give up hot showers, send us a <laughs> send send him, send him a tweet at B Joe Chan. Um, Billy, so today we're going to be. I mean, uh, I know people are very aware and concerned. A lot of people have been praying for the situation in Turkey and Syria after that devastating uh, earthquakes. Those earthquakes, and so today we're going to be speaking with uh, Marie Claude Lalonde of Aid to the Church in Need. Um, with her segment where God helps and uh, we will be talking about where God is helping through the oh, yeah. work of aid to the church in need and other church-based and faith-based organizations in those regions. So that's coming up in about five minutes or so. And then Billy, you have a question. Oh yeah. You something. S- yeah. Yes. Land is coming. So oh, okay. you see, so we need to think about something to, to offer. Now this question I am 
so surprised that we have never talked about it in our in our segment. Uh, and it's very sensitive. Question. Okay, so, so a question we'll about something that we need to offer for Lent and it's not hot showers. Okay, <laughs> all right. Okay, and then okay. So here, here's the exciting part of today's episode. Not uh-huh. that Billy's Billy's Church for Dummies is not exciting. Very exciting. Um, you've heard of the Chosen? Have you been watching the Chosen? Oh no, I did not. What you have it? not watched the Chosen? Okay, no, everybody, please write Billy Chan at <laughs> Bijo Chan and tell him that he has to watch the Chosen. You know about it, though. You've heard about it. I did not. Surprisingly. Okay, so The Chosen is a series. Okay, mm-hmm. then you need to stick around. I'm not going to tell you. The yes, Chosen is a series that, that looks at the life of Jesus through the eyes of the people who that he chose, the apostles mostly. It's, oh. it's, it's a superb series. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it, Billy. Come on. Um, <laughs> and so today we're very lucky. We're, we're going to be speaking with Dallas Jenkins. He is the series creator and producer. Um, the third season of the series just finished streaming. Oh, he's uh, already the third season. It's you already the third season, Billy. So you need you to never catch tell up. Me. I mean, now it's it's only about eight episodes per season. Okay. So you you can definitely you can definitely. Uh, uh, oh, I can spend some time, a lot of time. Yeah, binge watch the chosen and and definitely stick around then and listen to my conversation with Dallas Jenkins, because you're going to want to listen to that. Um, and then um, in uh, at the end of the show, we're going to be meeting a group. You live in Toronto. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm going to say, have you heard of Steadfast Worship? Steadfast um, Worship? Okay, so no, you don't have to answer. Um, so, and, and the reason why I'm bringing them up is because since I've met them and I've, I've heard about them over yeah. the years, and yeah. now I see them everywhere. I saw them at the Newman Center and they were playing at the Renew Conference and they are so good and they're just putting out their uh, a new album. Oh, the, uh, the band you're talking about. Yes, there's a band yeah, called okay, Steadfast okay, yeah, Worship. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm yeah, sorry. Yes. yes, so Steadfast <laughs> Worship is a band here based in Toronto and uh, we're going to be speaking to a few members of the ah. group uh, in our second half hour. And of course, we're going to get to listen to some of their music. So all that is coming up, people. Stick around for my conversation with Dallas Jenkins and with uh, Steadfast Worship and, of course, Where God Weeps, Aid to the Church in Need and uh, Church for Dummies. And remember, if you cannot listen to the whole show, be sure to go to our website, slmedia.org. There you can podcast the whole program. You can also listen to this program as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, Billy, ready? Music. Let's start with a song. Here's Steadfast Worship, the band, uh, with... (laughs) On the waters from their new album, Wherever You Go.
That was Steadfast Worship with On the Waters from their album Wherever You Go and singing on that track was Camille of Steadfast Worship and we're going to be speaking with some members of Steadfast Worship in about 40 minutes or so. So I hope that you will still be around for that. And now it's time for... Where God Helps with Marie-Claude Lalonde from Aid to the Church in Need, Canada... Marie-Claude, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. Um, I, I, I know that because of the work that you do, we never have conversations that are light and fun. Um, but it's important work. So uh, everybody's talking about the situation in Turkey and Syria. I know the situation in Syria in particular is very, very difficult. What can you tell us? Well, yes, the situation is difficult. And if I can summarize what happened, um, we had a, a project partner who said, you know, these 30 seconds of the earthquake uh, brought more destruction than 12 years of war. Wow. I think it says it all. Mm -hmm. uh, the situation is terrible. There are no uh, infrastructure. Um, hospitals are still there, but they fear that some of them may collapse. The Catholic uh, hospital, I believe, in Aleppo is damaged. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a difficulty. The other difficulty is to help people wherever they are. The first night on the 6th when the earthquake happened, uh, the church infrastructures, uh, both Catholics and Orthodox, uh, welcome more than 10,000 people. The thing is, they're not geared to take care of no, that of many not. people. So uh, that's how charities come uh, come into action, is to try to enable the church to help the people that they welcome with, mm -hmm. with basic, basic needs. Uh, we've heard about the need for, of course, food, medication. Uh, we have milks for children, diapers, blankets, mm -hmm. very basic items that are needed right away. And that's what we're trying to assist with. Right. Can you remind our listeners a little bit about what the situation in Syria was beforehand? Is it true that the region that was affected by the earthquake was already uh, deeply affected because of the civil war and, and, and displaced peoples? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, situation was already terrible. What There is an economical crisis in, in Syria for the past few years. Uh, now, we, we never heard that before the war, but now some people have difficulties just having food, enough food for the family. Mm -hmm. And now you add up that layer of the earthquake where people lost their homes, their jobs, their lo their loved ones. And Syrians are very, very resilient. But for the first time, I, I heard some Syrians say, what did we do to have a situation like that? What we di did we do wrong? Um, they, they survived the war, but now this seems to be even worse than war. And uh, what kind of support would an organization like yours, Aid to the Church in Need, receive from the Syrian government, for example, so that you can get your aid in and do the work that you need to do? Well, actually, we don't work with the Syrian government. No. As you know, the government is not very functional. Okay. Uh, there are risks to, to work with the government, uh, but we do work with the church. Our partners on the ground is the, the, the church, the bishops, the religious communities. Uh, and because they take care of the church, but they run schools, they run mm. orphanages, yes. um, hospitals. So they are definitely key people in helping uh, helping those affected and themselves they are affected. I mean, there's a priest who passed away in the earthquake. Mm -hmm. We have an emeritus bishop of Aleppo uh, who also was uh was hurt during the earthquake and sadly his house collapsed and two other people who were in his house passed away but he survived without too many problems so that's the situation church is trying to help but church is also affected 
Um, I know that Aid to the Church in Need is not necessarily involved in many projects in Turkey. And Turkey, it seems that we everything we hear, we hear a lot in the news about Turkey, and we don't hear a lot about Syria, which is why I'm glad we're speaking about Syria. But uh, um, are there, for people who wanted to support Turkey, for example, can they do so through Aid to the Church in Need? Or are there other Catholic organizations that you know of that would be working in that region? I don't know exactly who is working in, in Turkey. With Aid to the Church in Need, we don't have too many uh, projects in Turkey. We do have small projects from time to time, but really at the moment, our focus is Syria because as yeah. you said, everybody talks about Turkey. They're everywhere in the news and we don't hear about uh, Syria. And don't forget there is an embargo uh, by many, many Western countries on Syria. Right. And that's probably why we don't hear that much about uh, the, and, the problems of the country. Right. So then what can people do? I know that always prayer and always money, but is there anything more specific that they can do to help the situation in Syria through Aid to the Church in Need or other groups? Well, I think the first, probably the first thing they can do is to talk about it, to tell others that, you know, Syria is deeply affected and ask themselves for prayers, for donations to the, the charities that they already support, maybe who are helping in Syria. Many charities are mm -hmm. helping. Um, and uh, I, I think it's it's the usual prayer and money. But more than that, I think on the long run, we do have to uh, we have to decry that embargo uh, that is making it so difficult for people there. They're trying to pu uh, punish the government. They're punishing the population. Yeah. That's very different. And at the moment, it's not the, the government that's suffering. It's the population. So that is something that people who are in, in positions of power will have to tackle on the longer run. Yeah, okay, that's good to remember. Usually that's the case when there's an embargo. It's the people that suffer and not the government. Um, Marie-Claude, yeah. thank you so much. I know you're busy. And uh, again, I, I, you don't need me to thank you, but thank you for all the work that you guys are doing, especially right now in a, in a time of crisis. And uh, thank you for telling us about it today. Thank you very much. Marie-Claude Lalonde is the National Director of Aid to the Church in Need Canada. You can find out more about Aid to the Church in Need Canada at their website, acn Canada.org. That's also where you can send donations. If you're in the United States, uh, go to churchinneed.org. Hi, I'm Ryan Tremblay, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available at slmedia.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, and the show will be delivered right to your device. And now it's time for Just for Dummies with Billy Chan. Billy, I'm still amazed that you hadn't heard about The Chosen. Um, but but, but uh, maybe there are people out there like you that also had yes. not heard. So it's good that we have it on the show and people are hearing up. You have no. to watch this, this series, The Chosen. Just look it up, The Chosen. Right after, I'm going to share this on my social media platform and make sure that all my friends know this because, uh, because you suggested. So, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you have a question about offering. Yeah. About offering. Yeah, exactly. okay. Exactly. Offering money. So, okay. uh, you know, this few years, you know, we were in pandemic. Uh, you know, a lot of churches was suffering with Mm -hmm. donations you know mm -hmm. uh people not go cannot basically cannot go into church and uh some of them you know uh, uh, uh need to use cash which is not you know because in toronto yeah. we use some of us using direct deposit yes right? that's the way to uh, do it yeah that's a lot easier i mean now uh now it's a lot easier i i do not need to carry a lot of cash to go to church every yes. single sunday but uh, it comes to a question that because in Bible we are talking about we are always talking about ten percent of your income should go to your local church. Yes, that's uh, in our brain. You know, when in like yes. Sunday school we heard about that. Uh, priests preach; they talk about that as well. But um, some of us feel ten percent is quite a lot nowadays mm. uh, because of we have. The, uh, the mortgage we need to pay, the rent is amazingly high right now. Yes. You know, how can we, is, is, first of all, if 10% still good in 2023? Secondly, 
uh, what should we do? How how can we do to be a good Catholic? I mean, good Catholic with a quote. Uh, uh, then uh, the offering is makes sense. I just want to. We yeah. I think a lot of people want to know that as well. No, th that's a good question, and and it's funny because growing up, I actually never heard of the ten percent the ten percent guideline. Um, oh, no? I actually never did. I was going to say that's more of an evangelical thing, the, the concept of tithing, which is giving a mm. tenth of, of your income. Um, and also, when I first heard about it, I didn't hear that it was give 10% to the church, but rather give 10% to charity. So that's not exactly the same thing. So if you, if you have $10 and $1 goes to charity, including the church, then maybe it's actually not as much as you're thinking. Uh, depending on where else you're putting your money. So if you're giving your money to to Catholic charities or like like uh, we were talking about sending money through aid to the church in need to Turkey and, and Syria yeah. or or Ukraine or Iran or Nicaragua, those places. Um, uh, so so uh, so, so I, I think that it is important that we give. Mm. Um, now, we know the story of Jesus when he talks about the the widow and that she gives a lot less. Yeah. than everybody else because she has a lot less but she gives not from her not from what is left over but she gives from what her um uh, uh from what she has yes. um and that's where the idea of giving giving enough so that it hurts a little i think comes from and that's Mother something that we talk right? about during lent right you you give so that it hurts a little so if if you have ten dollars and you can give a dollar, but maybe you can give three dollars and that would be like, oh, that would hurt a little. That means that I can't have my coffee every day at, at Starbucks. So it hurts a little <laughs> right now. But you're talking about mortgage and you're talking about like I know in at least like in Canada, the mortgage rates the, are, are very high and um, there, nobody's going to tell you that you have to give a certain amount. Mm -hmm. So you give what you can. You should give. But if you can't, you can't. So, I mean, uh, there's no, the church will never say that you have to put a certain amount in the basket. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, because every I feel like every time you ask me a question, I say, well, the church doesn't really say you, you can do whatever you want. Um, give whatever you can. And yeah. if you cannot, don't feel bad about it. But if you can, then maybe you can give more. Now, definitely those of us that are older can give more. Um, mm -hmm. I'm almost mortgage free, so I can give more then yeah. that's okay. During COVID, I was not driving. In fact, I had a lot more money. Mm -hmm. I was, we were blessed to, to still be working. Yeah. I was not driving. So I was able to give more to mm -hmm. charity that year. And, and maybe this year I, I can't give as much. I'll give a little less, but I'm giving not just to the church, but I'm giving to charities. And the last thing I was going to say was just remember the money that you put in the basket in the church, at least here in North America. That money's not going to charity or going to the poor. That money's going to support the actual church to pay for the lights and the the, the bills and in some places even to pay for the priest's salary. So mm -hmm. so and maybe that's not where you want to support. Maybe you want to support the mm -hmm. poor and you support the civilians in the Paul and you support uh, uh, other charities. I, I don't know. I but, think. But is it that is that okay too? Because of uh, they use up. You know that one of the section in mass is called offering. So you do you have to like, no, do some, no no that well that 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 part of the mass is called an offering, but it's not offering money. That okay. part of the mass is offering. It's bringing the offerings, the bread and the wine. That's those mm -hmm. are the gifts that we bring, and okay. and we believe that we are to offer other things that you bring. So your joys, your sorrows, your dreams, your fears, your struggles. You we bring all those things and we offer them at the foot of the cross at at the altar so that Christ can transform them in the same way that he transforms the bread and the wine. Um, okay, so, so the fact that, that, in fact, mm -hmm. having uh, the collection at that part of the mass, sometimes yeah. it's confusing. It's better now. I've been to yeah. several, I get around to different churches, and most of the churches that I've been to in the last two months are not doing a collection anymore. They just have the basket on the front because of COVID, and you just mm -hmm. put money in the basket, or as you said, through direct deposit. I see, yeah. So is it that's a sin if you don't give enough? Uh, uh, the church will never say that it's a sin. Okay. Um, it's one of these things where sin is subjective. So it may be a sin if, if, it, if it's coming out of a place of greed and hoarding and uh, selfishness. 
but mm -hmm. uh, but but it may not be a sin depending on on what you are able to do and what the reasons are for giving or not giving. I see. Okay, so that's uh, yeah. You know, uh, a lot of you know the easiest thing is if we have a guidelines. Like you need to pay fifty bucks per month, then you know. Yeah, well, I think that, that. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, the, and, the, and the guideline is ten percent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I okay. would say that that's the guideline. Um, some parishes will have something on their website where they say, you know, we rec we recommend five dollars per mass or something, mm -hmm. um, and they know that based on how many parishioners they have. But some churches don't have enough parishioners, mm. so they rely on other parishes or other dioceses to support them. So, exactly. Yeah, it's hard to give a guideline. Thank you very much for the answer. And yeah, it's I, a good question. It's a good That's question, the, and, and if people really struggle with this, uh, feel free to, to write to us and ask. You can always reach me via email, pedro at esomedia.org, or you can uh, reach Billy through Twitter, at Chan. Church for, for Dummies with Billy Chan. Thank you, Billy. Have a good start of the Lenten season. You too. Billy Chan, always asking good questions. Again, you can follow him at Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, a featured conversation with Dallas Jenkins of The Chosen, and we meet Steadfast Worship, so don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm sure you've all heard of The Chosen. It is the first ever multi-season series about the life of Christ seen through the eyes of those who knew him. The Chosen is completely crowdfunded. $10 million was raised for season one and over $40 million funded seasons two and three. Episodes of the series have been watched over 400 million times. The Chosen is created, directed, and co-written by Christian filmmaker Dallas Jenkins. As the series released their third season, I had the chance to speak with Dallas Jenkins. You're going to love this conversation. He told me about growing up and how he was inspired by... One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and The West Wing, and how the show has strengthened his own faith. We talked about how it all started, how they write the series, and what's new in Season 3. He also reveals how many more seasons there will be and what we can look forward to. Just a note, when Dallas and I spoke, they had just released Episode 6 of Season 3. They had done a theater release for Episodes 1 and 2 in November 2022, coming in at number three in the box office. For episodes seven and eight, they were planning a theater release, which took place on February 2nd and 3rd in over 2,000 theaters worldwide, and, as it turns out, was extended after the ticketing website crashed due to high demand. If you haven't yet watched The Chosen, you have to. But first, here is my conversation with Dallas Jenkins. Dallas, welcome to our program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now you're a busy guy. I know you're you're writing, you're producing, you're directing. You're I don't know what else you're doing. Um, but I like to go back to the beginning so that it, people get to know you a little better. What tell us about Dallas Jenkins? How did you end up making movies and TV shows and and writing? Well, my father is Jerry Jenkins. He's the yes. author of the Lock Behind books, which were a huge uh, success about twenty five yes. years ago. So I grew up in a storytelling family in a storytelling environment. Now. I was uh, a huge sports fan. I was a bit of a jock. I, I okay. liked broadcasting, sports broadcasting. But when I was in high school, I saw the movie One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson. Yes. In the 1970s. And uh, there's a there's a scene in there where, that was so moving to me and so inspiring. I, I literally stood up off the couch. I was so excited. And uh, I remember thinking, whatever that is, I want to do that. The, wow. the, the notion of telling a story and creating a scene and an experience where the viewer can be moved like I was. Yeah. Uh, I would love to do that <laughs> for a career somehow. And that's when I started getting really into movies, really into TV, right. and started to want to, to to tell those stories myself. Yeah, what a great story. And, and not so much to end up, I mean, doing the work, but actually doing the work that I think is inspiring others. I can right. imagine young people watching what you're doing now and, and thinking, when I grow up, I want to do the same thing, tell stories that move people. Um, how did the idea for The Chosen come up? Well, I had been doing uh, some short films and vignettes for my church 
10 yeah. years ago. I mean, in fact, that's where I met Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus. Okay. I did, I did a short film for our church's Good Friday service about the crucifixion. And okay. just like The Chosen, it was from the perspective of different characters. So it was, this case, it was a perspective of the two thieves on the cross. Mm. So when I was auditioning uh, and casting for that, for those roles, that's when I discovered Jonathan. And when he auditioned for Jesus, I was completely blown away like everyone is now. And so we've done over the course of six years or so before The Chosen even existed, a few vignettes and short films about uh, stories of Jesus, but from different perspectives, but they were short. They were just intended for our church. Yeah. And while I was doing a short film, another short film for my church's Christmas Eve service, this time Jonathan wasn't in it. It was about the birth of Christ okay. from the perspective of the shepherds. It was done on my friend's farm in Illinois, 20 minutes from my house. It was real small. And uh, while I was doing it and loving it, and realizing there's something here, this idea of taking the time to develop some of these backstories and the yeah. context of the time, the cultural context, the historical context, yeah. some of the things that scripture doesn't talk about, but we know were there. And so uh, at the time I was binge watching TV shows with my wife and I thought, man, you know, there's never been a, there's never been a multi-season show about the life of Christ. There's been movies, there's been miniseries. And they always go from Bible verse to Bible verse, miracle to miracle. You never really get a chance to take the time to develop any mm -hmm. characters or uh, connect with any people who encounter Jesus. It's always just Jesus healed this person and then he healed the next person. And you can appreciate that because it's the Bible on screen. But unlike a normal show or movie that you'd watch, there isn't really a visceral or emotional connection with the people uh, in the story. And, and oftentimes we see Jesus as a stained glass window or a statue, or if you see him in a Bible show, typically very stoic. So that's where I had the idea for it. Mm. But I but I was coming off of a big career failure. I didn't even know if I'd ever make another movie again. <laughs> I'd been making movies for 15 years and my, my big Hollywood opportunity failed. So I was like, oh, this will never happen. Right. But very, very long story short, that short film for my church ended up going viral. I told people, you have an opportunity if you want to invest uh, through crowdfunding. Right. This first, first season of the show I have an idea for. And uh, and we ended up shattering the all-time crowdfunding record. Yeah. Generating $10 million from thousands of people around the world and the rest is history. I know. Amazing. So that first film, that was The Shepherd that people would have seen if they saw that first crowdfunding video because it became kind of like your if I can say pilot episode yeah, uh, for yeah. the for the chosen, you know what? It's so true because what I what I appreciate about the show, and I think I appreciate from every any good sermon or Bible study where they really unpack and and bring those words to life and give us the backstory, is what what moves me and makes makes me find the depth in in the story and in what what Jesus or whoever what is what is being taught um, was the idea original idea, and I think. I think it still is to develop the backstories that that's why it's called the chosen that it's not called the Jesus story. It's not about Jesus, but about the disciples, the the other people. Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen the West Wing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the West Wing is a really great comparison yes. where it's about the president ultimately. Yeah. But the, we're we're focusing as much or sometimes even more on the people around the president, including yeah, his enemies. Analogy. I get it. Yeah. And so uh, the the show is ultimately, a, you know, it's centered around Jesus in the sense that everyone's lives in the show encounter or are impacted by Jesus in some way. Mm -hmm. So you could say he's the main character, but he doesn't get all the screen time. So yeah, one of the one of the meanings behind the, the title, the chosen, is uh, those that Jesus chose to follow him, uh, but. Uh, from the beginning, yes, the idea was we're going to develop the people around him so that you can see Jesus through their eyes. And the operating principle was if you can see Jesus through the eyes of those who encountered him, and if you can identify with their questions yeah. and their struggles and their issues that are very similar to what we face today, then hopefully you can be changed and impacted in the same way they were. And you yeah. can identify with the solution to their struggles and the answer to their questions. Absolutely. And so the first episode of The Chosen, if you haven't seen it, when you first start watching The Chosen, you might watch episode one and be thinking halfway through, where's Jesus? I thought this was a yeah. Jesus show. Yeah. We're yeah. introducing you to yeah. Simon yeah. and to Matthew yes. and to Mary Magdalene and to Nicodemus before they encounter Jesus. So that when he does show up, mm -hmm. the impact is actually really powerful because you've experienced their yeah. lives and then when jesus shows up it feels like a, a respite a, a, yeah. a you know a, a solution 
It's so true. And I don't know about anybody else, but I have a hard time identifying with Jesus. So right. I like that you're giving us other people that we can identify uh, with and, you know, like Simon and his wife, Eden and all that. Um, is, has that been hard to stay focused on the disciples and the other characters and not focus more on Jesus? Well, I, sometimes, but I wouldn't call it hard. I would say we we really try to let the story become inevitable, meaning uh, when we're writing and developing the season, uh, we start from, okay, where is this story going okay. and and what do we have to say? But we start with the end. So we, when we first sat down to map out the seven seasons of the show, we started with the end of the series. Where are we going in this story? So obviously, spoiler alert, the, the yeah. resurrection and the <laughs> aftermath of that. Yeah, we know the and, ending. And and we know uh, Jesus's death and, and you know, crucifixion. So, and the, but we also know some of the characters around Jesus at that time. So we know, for example, Nicodemus ultimately was someone who helped in the burial of Jesus mm -hmm. and gave lots of money towards uh, that process. We know where Simon Peter was. We know where Mary Magdalene was. Well, we're going to work our way backwards to when they first met Jesus. And so we're going to go all the way back. So even in the first season, we knew where the first season was going to end. And then we worked our way backwards from there. Yeah. We knew where episode one was going to end. We worked our way backwards from there. So that we know where we're going. So uh, the story that's, that we're developing, it's a really good question. I wouldn't say it's hard to focus on the, the supporting characters uh, because we're following their stories and we're also following Jesus's story and we mm -hmm. know where it's going. Mm -hmm. So the, the the process is just simply how do we get there? And uh, we know that uh, in the story itself, there are lots of things that maybe aren't given lots of time in the Bible, but we have lots of room to give time to in the show. Yes. For example, the Roman occupation, which isn't talked about a ton in the Gospels because all the readers at that time would have known exactly, they wouldn't mm -hmm. have needed any explanation. Well, we're giving you the backstory and the mm -hmm. context of the, the Roman government, the how they related to the religious leaders, all of those things that we really have a time to develop. And those things impacted our main characters. So we have storylines that we can develop that aren't necessarily directly from Scripture, but absolutely these characters would have been facing at that time, which enhances what Jesus came to do. And exactly like a good sermon can give you, oh, my goodness, a light bulb. Exactly. I, I've read this verse a hundred times it's meaningful, but I, I didn't know how meaningful it was until I understood the context of the Absolutely. Time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, I mean, you've just, I guess some people are maybe just starting to watch season three, maybe some are, um, what's new for season three for those that haven't started yet watching? Well, season three, the theme of it is, uh, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now at this point in the story, uh, at the end of season two, Jesus was just about to deliver the Sermon on the Mount. So we mm -hmm. start season three with him delivering the Sermon on the Mount. Well, now what is the fallout of that? All of his followers expect that things are going to be great now. They're living out his principles. He's the Messiah. We're going to overthrow the Romans. Yeah. Our lives are going to get better. And when they don't, what does that look like? Right. And it makes them, of course, weary and heavy laden. And of course, the yeah. enemies of Jesus seeing his increasing popularity. Well, that stresses them out. That makes them concerned. So now the tension is rising. And uh, we don't shy away from the weary and heavy laden part. So by the time you get to episode six, which is what we just released mm -hmm. uh, a week ago, you're seeing marital tensions, uh, struggles, deep uh, tragedy that Simon and Eden are facing in their marriage. You're seeing some of the infighting of the disciples, confusion over their mission, uh, the, the rising tension among the Pharisees, the leaders who are seeing Jesus get more popular. Uh, but here's the beautiful thing about that verse that I shared. Uh, he gives rest. Yeah. And so the upcoming two-part season finale, episode seven and eight, which are coming to theaters next uh, this this coming uh, Thursday and Friday, mm -hmm. um, that's where you get to see all of these stories coming to a conclusion. And uh, we don't shy away from the def the difficulty, but we also don't shy away from the beauty and from the joy that Jesus provides. Yeah, and thank you for mentioning that that they're uh, they're being released uh, in theaters, and that's a whole other thing that maybe I'll explain after uh, once we say goodbye. Um, one last question, Dallas: How has this experience helped you deepen your faith or your understanding of Scripture and maybe your relationship with Christ? Yeah, uh, well, there's two ways. One on a macro level. I'm just, because I'm doing the show, I'm doing more research than I've ever done. And so I'm experiencing some of these things that you experience as a viewer, where sometimes there's that light bulb moment of, oh my goodness, I don't think I ever knew that uh, during this time, Pilate was uh, doing this to the Jews, or I didn't realize yeah. that the Pharisees, the, the different sects of the Pharisees 
and, uh, and Sadducees and Essenes and Hellenists and all the different Jewish, all these references that Jesus makes sometimes that I don't understand as an American Gentile 2,000 years later. But once you understand him, you're like, oh, I got to get that into the show because that really un unlocks things for me. But but the second thing is in my personal relationship with Christ is the realization of just how personal Jesus was. You know this as a as someone who's counseled people is that when Jesus called people to follow him or when he healed their physical diseases, those stories in the gospels, they were always very specific mm -hmm. to that person. Mm -hmm. He wasn't just saying to a group of a thousand people, all right, everyone come follow me. Or right. he wasn't just saying to a thousand people, you're all healed at once. He, he saw their specific need. It wasn't always just physical. Sometimes it was spiritual as well. And when he called people, he called them in the way that they needed to hear. He was a personal God. Yes. And so that intimacy, you see that in the show. Whenever the Jesus has an encounter with someone, we, we, we make it very focused, very personal, almost as though Jesus is talking to you, the viewer. And that has been a big thing for me is realizing that he's a personal God and he has a personal relationship with you and he, he operates with you on a, on, a, on a specific level to you, not just to the masses. Yeah, I would say that that's really the good news, that personal God. And and can I say, I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's what I loved about that ending of season two of the Sermon on the Mount, that when he says that blessed are the merciful, he knows who he's talking about. Right. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He knows exactly who's poor in spirit. And, and uh, we need to let ourselves hear Jesus speak to us in the same way. And I think you're helping us you and the whole crew and cast and your whole team is helping us uh, get to that kind of relationship with Christ. So thank you, Dallas, for what you're doing. And I'm excited that there are seven seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to help you get there. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot more to go, but I appreciate it. And I, I consider it like a partnership with, with people like yourself because Amen. the end game isn't the show. The show is, is, is an opportunity for you to hopefully know and love Jesus more. When you know and love Jesus more, what's next? You want to worship. You want to be discipled. Amen. You want to go deeper. And that's where people like you come in. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for helping us get there. And uh, Absolutely. God bless. God bless. Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. That was my conversation with Dallas Jenkins, creator, director, and co-writer of the popular crowdfunded multi-season series on the life of Christ, The Chosen. You can watch The Chosen for free. It is available on The Chosen app. Get it wherever you get your apps or go to new.thechosen.tv. That's also where you can go and donate so that they can continue making this wonderful series new.thechosen.tv. I'll put that link on our site so you can find it easily at eselmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is Steadfast Worship with Wait from their new album, Wherever You Go. I looked for the answers and I've still been lost. Times I knew it was wrong and my heart paid the cost. There has to be something that's more than all that I've known. I will wait with a faith that moves mountains. I'll wait for a love that sets in motion a way for eternal. For a 
That was Steadfast Worship with Wait from their new album, Wherever You Go, and singing on that track was Erica of Steadfast Worship. I heard about Steadfast Worship some years ago, but honestly, and I'm a little ashamed to say this, I thought that they were just a parish music group. But since then, however, I've seen them everywhere here in the Archdiocese of Toronto, and that's because they're good. Not only do they lead worship at various events, run retreats, and they offer workshops, but they are talented songwriters with songs, as we've been hearing, that inspire listeners to deep prayer and worship. Steadfast Worship just released their very first EP titled Wherever You Go. And so to tell us more, I am now joined by Gabe and Jacob of Steadfast Worship. Guys, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hello. Thank you for having us. No, it's great. Um, And it's great to finally um, uh, be able to sit... uh, together and 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 uh, get to know you guys a little better so so tell me a little bit about the group uh gabe why don't you tell me how how did the group start did it start as a parish music group yes so we um we first started uh out of uh saint barnabas parish in scarborough Mm -hmm. um just as a need for serving our um youth ministry actually and then from there we started to grow um and get uh more uh get asked to play for more events like um uh other youth ministry events like the training days or even uh, edge camp mm. where we kind of officially um started i i guess that's where we we officially announced that we're an actual band steadfast that was back in 2018 wow yeah yeah, yeah you guys uh you guys have become i think kind of like the archdiocesan kind of youth or young adult uh event band i think that's fair to say now jacob tell me where because there's five of you in the group now was it always the same group or have, have some people come and gone in the last I guess five years um yeah so we're actually seven now i believe oh geez okay yeah, i lost count <laughs> the group <laughs> yeah but um you have to update recently, your photo on the website <laughs> uh, yeah i know yeah we recently um uh gained two new uh, members oh, nice. adrian and rowan okay uh, electric guitarist and keyboardist just this um last year in january so okay that was really exciting yeah Okay, so that's good. So who can tell me what why did you go with the name Steadfast Worship? <laughs> um that's uh that's a good one. I remember um a lot of it was discernment and prayer and we were really trying to go for different names. We went researching. I remember there was one night we were oh, yeah. just what about this name or what about this name? And it's it just wasn't fitting. Um but I think until uh steadfast has always kind of been coming up in prayer and of course in tons of the psalms you hear that at mass and a lot of the readings about god's steadfast love and worship and then just seeing here how i guess through through our lives and through um through what we've seen um with with music like and our relationship with god right we god has always remained so steadfast to Mm. us no matter how um 
how many times we've let them down or, or uh, uh, like it, it's always like an up and down in a wave. And that's why if you can kind of notice our logo is is like a wave, but it's a SW, right? So it just it's just kind of like the the waves of of how um okay um how our life is and how our our uh, what's it called God's love for us is just it just keeps coming. It's overwhelming. It just it just keeps going. But then there's God that would just be able to say, just be still. So amidst all that chaos, there's still that, and then God is that uh, that light there to to be able to control that. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. I never really paid attention to your logo, but I, I can see that. I can see that now. Um, I'm always curious to to talk when I when I uh, speak to musicians, artists, uh, to learn a little bit about their own journey. Because I mean, I, I think it's fair to say you guys are pretty young, um, definitely younger than I am, um, and you probably were already doing music in church, like even before steadfast worship started. So like maybe Jacob, tell me a little bit about your journey. Like how did, why did you end up playing drums in church? Yeah. So I, I initially took up drumming when my uncle invited me to, and he just gave me his drum set. And uh, I originally started with playing rock music. Yeah, of course. Um, but my dad wanted me to play. And um, uh, I was invited by my music a teacher in elementary school at St. Barnabas Parish. So I started playing okay. for school masses starting um, in grade seven. Wow. And, uh, yeah, since then, I was invited to play at youth groups and at our parish at St. Barnabas. Um, so music has always been a huge part of my life um, and my relationship with uh, Jesus. So nice. Um, yeah, and Steadfast has been just a great extension to. Of course. Um, my relationship with Jesus. Yeah, wonderful. And you gave gave your you're a guitar player, you're a bass player, you also sing. When did you start all of that? Um, yeah, so I started in high school. So I grew up uh um my parents kind of forced me to to be part of their uh what's it called? Uh, like a Catholic charismatic community. Um okay. so I kind of grew grew up into that. Um and music has always kind of attracted me. So I started learning how to play guitar uh through the community um and I did that until university time. Um, and then I'd play for the parish at mass um, from time to time. Uh, but I think music was a real part of my reversion story. So um, mm -hmm. after university, I was kind of searching again. And um, someone from the St. Barnabas Parish kind of tapped me and was like, hey, can you help us out with youth ministry for their music? And I was like, uh, sure, okay, fine. Because I, I had that kind of, I missed playing music. And, I, and that was kind of like my passion. I was like, okay, I'll try it. And that's kind of what really stirred me into being open to service and then for now here being with steadfast uh doing it now for how many years yeah yeah so how do you guys write songs like is that a collaborative thing or is there one of you that mostly takes the lead on on writing songs gabe uh yeah so we would normally kind of individually kind of come up with something and then when we find that it's like okay this is really good or i need help then we'll throw it out to the rest of the group. What do you think of this? And then we'll kind of pray about it and try to play around with it. Um, and yeah, and then it just evolves into a process where like, okay, let's add this or add this. And then uh, we just kind of try it out. But uh, yeah, it's just a lot of the times it's just usually just through prayer. Um, we'll, we'll each add like some mm -hmm. sort of part into it, um, either lyrically or or within the music or the melody. Yeah. And and Jacob, for this album, wherever you go, was it just a matter of, oh, we got you know seven good songs here. Let's put an album together, or or was it more uh, intentional? Like, let's do an album. Um, I would say it was definitely an intentional process. Oh yeah, and, uh, longer than we actually expected. <laughs> um, yeah, but. Um, yeah, God really <laughs> took us through a journey with writing these songs and yeah. um, being able to pray with them as well. Uh, the very early stages, I think we started writing um, these songs uh, in 2021, okay. late 2021. And um, yeah, it's been an intentional process of all the words, um, the music that we use, um, the the feelings of the songs and mm. intention so um yeah it's been a um really intentional journey with praying with with the songs well i'm glad you said that because it does feel like it was intentional there's something very definitely prayerful about the album of all the songs um and i think that's something very unique about you guys actually when i've even heard you live at events um 
did is that the hope like i'm always curious about about album titles and i know that like one of the tracks is called wherever you go but do you feel that wherever you go kind of summarizes gabe the whole the whole intent of the album uh yeah i would think so so um i remember when we the pandemic kind of really put us and kind of made us okay think of like okay what do we want to do as a ministry so mm-hmm. uh we were just really starting and getting ramped up we released our first um our first single uh great things back in 2020 just before the pandemic like literally just before the pandemic yes. hit and we had so many plans and so uh so many goals that we wanted to hit uh but once the pandemic hit everything kind of stopped still and we, we were like okay we don't really have um like ministry events that we're going to play for and something like mm-hmm. that but i think uh through the process of time um slowly once pandemic kind of got um wind down and we were starting to get events again to play for and just be together as a ministry um and being able to write more songs we just noticed that it's our calling was just to be like yes lord we will go wherever you want us to go okay. we'll wait wherever you want us to wait and we'll do whatever you want us to do but it's still we're gonna follow you mm-hmm. yeah. well that's a good i think a good message for all of us uh at all times um we have to leave it there but uh it's been really good uh, chatting with you guys today learning a little bit more about the ministry and i know that we're probably going to end up doing events and stuff together more as uh, we are in the same archdiocese so i'm really looking forward to that and i'm really looking forward to uh more music from you guys because i really mean it there, there's a, a real sense of of prayerfulness to to the work that you guys do and and that's definitely the kind of music that i like to listen to so thank you for that gift and uh thank you for what you guys do Oh, thank, thank you, so thank you so much thank for the so opportunity. You can learn all about Steadfast Worship at their website, steadfastworship.ca. If you missed any part of this interview, you can head on over to our website, slmedia.org podcast. All our programs are archived there. And here now to take us out is Steadfast Worship with I Will Sing from their new album, Wherever You Go.
We're listening to Steadfast Worship with I Will Sing from their new album, Wherever You Go, and that will take us to the end of the program this week. Remember that you can find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, but if you prefer, you can listen to all our shows at slmedia.org slash podcasts. slmedia.org slash podcast. If you do the social media thing, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email me, pedro at slmedia.org. I respond to every single email or message that I receive. And be sure to visit our website, slmedia.org, for all kinds of Lenten resources to help you on your journey towards Easter. Thank you for being with us. Let us continue praying for the situation in Turkey and Syria and for the situation in Nicaragua and... Be sure to watch The Chosen if you haven't yet done so. May you have a blessed Ash Wednesday and a good beginning to Lent. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.